Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of The Daily Friends Show. I'm your host, Nicholas Lorimer, and today I'm joined by Sara Gon. Sara, how are you doing? Fine. I th- I'm not sure I could get rid of my Adida assistant, but I'll... <laughs> we'll I'll see if there. he comes back. Uh, I'm also joined today by Mr. Michael Morris. Michael, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm glad I don't have a Adida to deal with. Although that's probably the least of your worries uh, in Johannesburg, I would imagine. Yes, no, uh, I'll tell you what's worrying me right now is the fact that I am in a stuffy office at the moment, sweating like an absolute pig, because uh, I just cannot get airflow into this room for some reason, Um, so do bear with me if I suddenly start speaking strangely and wobbling about. Um, Also, just if you are watching on the YouTube and you notice there is some large object in the foreground that is in fact my microphone, Uh, I've been having sound problems recently, so I'm just putting the microphone closer to my face. It's not an elegant solution, but it is an effective one. Uh, But the reason I'm telling you this is because I don't want to talk about what we should be talking about today, and that is the President's State of the Nation Address to Parliament last night. Um, So it started off with a little bit less fanfare than usual because the EFF was, um, uh, their leadership was not allowed to be there. And so they said they were going to instead focus on their manifesto launch, which I think is happening this weekend in Moses Mabida Stadium. Um... Ramaphosa spent most of the time just talking rather than about what government was going to do about all the wonderful things it had done and about how the ANC had ruled the country so well since 1994. Uh, There were some interesting, important things he said. Um, He said that the Social Relief of Distress Grant, um, which was originally uh, introduced in order to uh, help people during the COVID lockdowns, was going to be extended and improved and expanded. And so it's very clear that the ANC is, I think, running this as a kind of election pitch. Um, this this is sort of an offer to people saying, hey, everyone's going to basically get a, a, a basic income grant in all but name. Um, so that that was, was talked about. He also talked about how the National Health Insurance Bill, it's now passed, it just needs to be signed by him. And in fact, he joked and saying, uh, can anyone borrow, uh, lend me a pen? I will. I will uh, assign it into law right away. Um, it's sort of interesting that he hasn't actually signed it into law entirely yet. He did talk about it being implemented in an incremental fashion, which is obvious to anyone who knows. If they tried to do it in one day, um, the whole healthcare system would probably collapse. So I'm not surprised that he's talking about a, a phased-in implementation there. Um the, he has talked about there being a new climate change fund. He talked about um, uh, public works programs and employment programs, uh, putting hundreds of thousands of young people in as teaching assistants, uh, and lots of a, a sort of a, a vision of South Africa that was very centered around how the state could improve people's lives, um, not so much on people's own ability to do that or on facilitating businesses and civil society to do that. He did also say that uh, there would be um, uh, improvements to the freight and logistics system in the country uh, because they were going to partner up with private companies to do that. And we've already seen a little bit of that going ahead now with some of the rail lines um, getting us a private partner. Uh, This has been, uh, unsurprisingly, the speech was quite heavily criticized by opposition parties who said that Ramaphosa was living in a wonderland and that had no connection to the realities of, of South Africa. 
Standard Bank's chief economist um, said that uh, the speech uh, kind of failed to address the fact that South Africa was not a failed state, but a fragile one. Um, and he said that uh, despite Ramaphosa's claims that the perpetrators of state, state capture were being dealt with, that fundamentally there had been very little improvement in the fabric of government institutions. Um, so, Sara, a whole bunch of stuff to talk about there. Uh, what was the most interesting aspect to you? I mean, this is clearly an election pitch, so I think on that sense it makes sense why he was talking so much about what the ANC has done rather than what it is going to do. Well, you know, State of the Nation suggests that it's a sort of snapshot of where we are now. And where we are now is a very bad place. So that's why you look back at the, the all the things you the ANC did achieve in the first 10 years of governance. Um, and then you mentioned the, the sort of employment programs that you've got up and running, which have provided a million, what do they call employment opportunities or something, or words to that effect, um, which is all just, you know, it, it, they exist and they do stuff, but they're pretty much irrelevant. And then you essentially present the fact that you're taking essentially urgent emergency funding to keep people alive in the form of social grants and adding to them to the point where I think the figure was 28 million people are somehow beneficiaries and think that that is an achievement. It certainly is an achievement for the ANC to keep people beholden to them because they are desperate and hungry and poor. But as a, as a, as a measure of success, it goes into the failed state uh, category of, of successes. Um, if you talk for two hours, you really don't have anything to say. So he didn't really say anything that was useful. He, he sort of talked up that, that mining still had, you know, had possibilities. And as uh, Ronnie Luli said this morning um, at the CRA, um, most of the, he went to the mining in Darbo and most people said, well, you know, yeah, but not yet. Maybe, maybe not, but we're not rushing because, of course, there are a myriad of problems in the mining industry, many of which, if not most of which, relate to the way government has implemented mining policy, the policy it's created, the corruption, the crime, and everything else. Everything runs in. So the bottom line is that we're doing badly, and two hours later, we are doing no better. So it was it was an election stunt of sorts, although pretty actually in substance pathetic if you think about it. My, my biggest takeaway from it was, and big is the word, the volumes of African indigenous material that was used to dress the, the worthies who attended the SONA. I think there was enough fabric there, as I said, to probably provide curtaining for 500,000 RDP houses. Um, that's the impact of that. Yeah, the, the the dressing of MPs is always quite funny, particularly the ANC MPs. Um, so, Michael, um, I think one of the interesting things for me about this speech is how you sort of see, I think, uh, uh, how there was a lot of nonsense being talked about in the government's expropriation uh, uh, law push. So the expropriation bill is pretty close to being... Um, sort of implemented now um, and uh, EWC has been a expropriation without compensation has been a big part of the government's platform they put it in at their party congresses they recommit to it um, they try to change the constitution to make it easier to happen and yet 
when it comes time to an election speech, essentially, um, sort of the justification for why we need expropriation is that the people of South Africa demand it. They need it. They're crying out for land. And yet, when it comes time to actually pitch to the voters, the president's like, oh, yeah, no, uh, 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 lots more black ownership of land doesn't even really talk about expropriation, just kind of waffles on about it uh, and then gives a throwaway line. Um, what do you make of that? And what do you make of the speech as a whole? Mm. I, I also thought that was very interesting. Um, and he departed from the text to refer to uh, agricultural economist uh, Wandile Sishrobo as as having told him that, you know, Mr. President, we are going to exceed the the target uh, for black ownership of, of, of farming land by 2030. Um, and, you know, basically, th- th- this is a man whose word we must, we must trust. And this is through redistribution up to this point. So implicitly, he seemed to be saying, you know, we, we, well, he didn't seem to be saying, but the fact that he was excluding any mention of EWC, whereas in the past, he, he dwelled considerably on it as a, I think that he didn't invoke kind of biblical logic to speak about the the primacy of this process um, <clears throat> and the land being you know absolutely critical to the economic well-being of poor South Africa and so on. Um, so very striking that he has uh, clearly deliberately avoided speaking about it, as you say, in, that, in those very frank terms. Um, after having dwelled considerably on it over the past uh, four or five years. Um, so that that was interesting. Um, one wonders whether you know he's paying attention to IRR polling, but not only ours. Afro barometers results have been very similar in demonstrating that, in fact, what most people want is nothing to do with land reform and you know racism and all these things, which generally dominate so much of the public conversation. But uh, you know, practical things, jobs service delivery they want crime dealt with properly um so yeah one wonders whether um as you said with an eye on the elections he is actually paying a bit of attention to what people really do say they want um that just beyond that and it's almost contrary in a sense to uh, the the absence of any mention of ewc in the speech was the the the, the theme i think chris uh, hutting uh, of the cra picked it up this morning in your very good uh, webinar with him and 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 Mlondi. uh this very great emphasis on the paramountcy of state action being the likely source of solutions um and we saw that in you know just about every uh, key area of the economy that is that is that is ailing or collapsing if it's not energy, it's freight, um, it's corruption, and and so on. Everything focused on you know the the fact that we we must rely on state action, um, and it seems from some of the reaction that I've seen that uh, business is very disappointed in this because they clearly have an understanding of what it's going to take to turn the country around at this point, and it certainly ain't going to be uh, action from the state. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you referred, uh, you began the show by saying, by referring to the effectiveness of your microphone as opposed to its elegance. And I think, you know, unfortunately, what we what we see with these grand Sony events is all, all this kind of pretense of elegance and none of the effectiveness. Um, and that, unfortunately, is, is a shame. Just one final thing, which I think is worth mentioning, and, and this is a point that Chris made very effectively, is uh, Ramaphosa saying, I'm looking for the pen in referring to his eagerness to, apparent eagerness to sign the NHI bill into law, even though 
in his speech, he spelled out why it wouldn't be an immediate thing. That this is really, you know, he's kind of signaling something presumably to the electorate. But as Chris put it, this is an enormously flippant um, and, and and actually irresponsible kind of response to make in what is your key serious policy speech of the year. You're actually addressing a huge multi-billion rand industry, masses of specialists who've invested time and effort and all the rest of it in their practices, that patients across the country, they are in a vast economic sector. And all you're saying is very flippantly about their, all their, the concerns that they've raised. All you're saying is, I'm, I'm looking for my pen, um, which, uh, as Chris quite rightly put it, uh, does express... Um, a, a less than a, a attractive uh, aspect of, the, of his approach to a very serious topic of governance. Exactly. I mean, if the, uh, <laughs> the, the the medical bodies are talking about how the country is going to be left without many doctors um, mm. who will flee at the implementation of this, um, and uh, yet, you know, he should be using this speech to reassure them and say, oh, you know, our policy is not so bad. It's really going to be helping you. But really, it's um, I, I agree. It's, it's it's just sort of flippant to say, oh, well, you know, all those concerns go stuff yourself where <laughs> I'm signing it into law whether you like it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sarah, uh, any final thoughts on this topic before we move on? Uh, I, I would be intrigued to see the sonar given by all the big businesses who went, who've offered their services in the latter part of last year to try and help the state to repair a whole lot of things. A, what their experience has been, B, to tell us where things are, and C, is to comment on the fact that the government keeps saying, you know, it's, everything's going to be business as usual, which is adherence to the, you know, the, in the National Democratic Revolution. Uh, I mean, it's actually, it, it's, it's a disgrace. And, and as Chris pointed out, you know, the, the, the symbolism of having to do it in the city hall managed by the DA in the Western Cape because our parliament is still raised to the ground, um, there's nothing more to be said. Oh, exactly. All right, so now that we've talked about the fanciful state of the nation, let's talk about the real state of the nation. And there are some major um, municipal collapses ongoing in the country. Uh, the municipality around Peter Maritzburg, Nsunduzi, um, has said that they have about 214,000 households, but that they are only able to collect refuse from about 116,000 households. And as a result of almost 100,000 households in the municipality not having their rubbish collected, there is rampant illegal dumping um, as kind of fly-by-night uh, garbage, private garbage operators sort of show up, take people's garbage, and then dump it in some field somewhere or next to someone's house. Uh, it's gotten so bad that something like 12 of the 41 wards do not have any uh, uh, garbage collection, um, in fact, the municipality says, well, we just don't have the resources. Um, some people uh, uh, whose houses are being dumped next to, who were interviewed um, by Ground Up, said, it's dangerous. We've tried to get people to stop dumping so many times. Um, the dump sites are also attracting snakes and rats. Uh, many of them have given up complaining to their councillor. In fact, uh, an NGO was even created by some people in the community who managed to get some funding from government to go and 
essentially pay people to pick up rubbish and turn it in for for small amounts of money um 70 cents per kilogram of cardboard one rand 54 kilogram of plastic bottles that kind of thing at the same time in durban and uh, not too far away uh community members are complaining that emergency boreholes which have been dug are not in the right place or are not working properly durban has had enormous water problems over the past couple of months and in an effort to alleviate things quote-unquote temporarily the city has said that in some places it is drilling boreholes to be able to provide people with water um but uh, uh the the only sort of um while people complain that the boreholes aren't working properly the response from the city was residents are urged not to connect their hose pipes to stand pipes to fill up water tanks on their properties um so michael you know these two stories are obviously not exclusive to these municipalities there's lots of this kind of problem all over the country but this is i think really the state of where many things are um the poverty alleviation uh in this country basically ended in 2011 in terms of the percentage of the population that was living in poverty and it's sort of we've gone backwards since then and and you're really beginning to see that the evidence of that negative tide now in so many municipalities across the country um what do you make of this mm. And I think, you know, one's kind of sense of this that one has is the, the very great risk of what happens as a result of the, the kind of speech we had in Sona yesterday, which is this idea that everything is fine, that we are making progress, that we've made great strides since 2004, the complete absence of, a, 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 you know, an honest a, a kind of self-reflection and, and examination of what, what's really happening on the ground. And so these kinds of stories don't get the attention that they need um, because there is this the, the kind of political assumption that everything is actually fine, that, you know, we are making progress. These are just the... Uh, the exceptions, um, the outlier examples of things that, that you know happen to break down, but these are in fact uh, very typical of the kinds of problems right across, as you say, right across all communities in South Africa, especially the poor ones, um, who always you know get get the worst of it. Um, and I think in most cases also, <clears throat> it's really, um, I mean, the solutions lie in in really quite elementary things. It's just people being managed properly. Uh, political management being exerted or political pressure being exerted from the top, accountability being insisted on, um, people being appointed to the right jobs and being supervised properly. Um, it's not, you know, it isn't rocket science, as we as we keep saying on the show. Um, so there isn't really an excuse for it. We, we're not a country that has n no money at all to spend on programs and stuff. We just need to do it properly. Uh, and that, that's what these things illustrate. Exactly right. So what do you make of these two stories? I mean, the municipalities, uh, the big cities really seem to be, except for except for Cape Town, really do seem to be under a lot of stress right now. Uh, Durban is in terrible condition. Beaches are covered with stuff. It still hasn't fully recovered from the big floods. Uh, uh, the uh, water system's not working. Joburg has many municipal problems none of them is quite as serious as durban's but still not too great um pretoria i'm not really sure of the state of it at the moment i know they've had definitely water problems in hamans kraal in the top of that municipality which have obviously uh, been very bad um what do you make of this whole story i think 
what these stories show is that they are they are the state of the nation address this is what has been degraded by an ANC that, that has not been competent, that has favoured cadre deployment, that has stolen left, right and centre. And it all degrades to the point where there is, there is nothing probably in any budgets to do anything, um, which compounds a situation of not really doing much for all the aforementioned reasons beforehand. So now nothing happens. Um, I didn't get, I missed the detail on the new, yet another climate change uh, fund, but I suppose the advice I would give to a half-decent government administration of every kind is if you build and maintain infrastructure properly, you mitigate all of the alleged, being a bit of a skeptic that I am, but the climate change consequences or the consequences of large weather events that cause havoc. They cause much less havoc if your infrastructure is sound and maintained. And the, it's, it's, I think it's pretty commonly agreed that much of the damage that was caused during those floods that is yet to be repaired with boreholes too far away and et cetera, is a result, was a result of crumbling or non-existent infrastructure and building um, settlement areas on floodplains. I mean, you know, so much of this does not go require extra expenditure that may be that that, that may be at a premium, um, but it is it is the the nature of the performance of the government government writ, writ large, and it gives. I mean, for the for those living in Natal, um, I think the possibility of having governance of any kind that involves the ANC, the EFF, and or in contour where Sizwe party suggests that, you know, we should secede from Natal in the long run. Um, on the other hand, if you want to get anything done anywhere, it's about getting the ANC and those aligned with the, the, the nature of the ANC out of power. There's no other way of doing it. The ANC is not going to do it, can't do it, and probably would it, won't do it for all this, all the sort of reasons we lived with. I mean, somebody referred to the term, you know, that we're tired of being called resilient. Um, we are beyond resilient. We are, um, we are hard pressed. We are exhausted. We are skeptical. Resilience. We've long done resilience. Um, it's time for change. <laughs> resilience yeah, even- is enough. Even a cactus can't survive in the vacuum of space. Uh, yeah. Michael, do you have any anything to add before we move on? Yeah, I mean, just, you know, sorry, as absolutely right, but sorry mentioning the whole issue of climate change. You know, if anything's impinging on our environment in South Africa, it's this terrible poverty and this complete lack mm-hmm. of, of control over things that ought to be, you know, quite easily controlled, properly managed. Um, the, but as things stand they are posing an environmental hazard um to you know to lots of people so yeah that's just just one element of it which just struck me as sorry speaking sorry just to say it's the ANC government and Ramaphosa in particular trying to play in the global big league Mm. Mm, which they which is another part of the things he mentioned towards the end of the speech was uh going on about um 
uh, South Africa's great successes on the world stage, um, yeah. which I, I think, not so I think, much. I think we might be looking at Pyrrhic victories in the, mm. in the not-too-distant future. Indeed. Okay, um, let's talk about our last story today, and this is quite a different one, but an interesting one nonetheless, um, and that is uh, Kenny Kunene, who is a member of the Patriotic Alliance. Mm -hmm. He is also the MMC, the member of the mayoral committee for, I think, um, roads and transport in the city of Johannesburg, is very upset at three DA councillors. He says that these councillors, who he did not name, have released his personal information online, including his uh, cell phone number and his email address, uh, on, uh, that they put these out on social media, and that this has left him extremely vulnerable to identity theft and have placed his personal safety at risk. He says the DA councillors should face the full might of the law as this was a serious offence and that he was appalled by their conduct as councillors and they should be focusing on ensuring the residents of, service of Johannesburg receive service delivery. Now, it's pretty clear to me why they gave out his number, which is probably that, uh, and I, you know, I used to be a member of that DA caucus back in 2016. Um, they were very fed up with uh, complaints being directed to them about presumably something to do with the Johannesburg Roads Agency, probably potholes, traffic lights, something not being done. And being fed up and not wanting to take the blame for it, these DA councillors said, well, why don't we just give you the information of the guy who actually is in charge of this. And so they handed out his email and uh, uh, the telephone number. Um, Sarah, there's a question here about, you know, how available should public representatives be? Um, I know, generally speaking, most people agree that they should be pretty available. Uh, does Kenny Kunene have any sort of point here in opening a criminal case? Um, let's put it this way. Um, you don't need to be all that available if you're doing the job. The, the better you do and the more you do, the less availability you need to provide. So with that in mind, I would ask you to find Kenny Kenene's telephone number and email address and put them in the ticket line at the bottom of this podcast because I, and then have everyone who watches it forward it and make it go viral um, and then let him lay charges against the however million ratepayers of Johannesburg there are that clog up his telephone and email account. Failing which, he could just change them and not let anybody know and solve the problem that way. <laughs> Michael, what do you make of this story? Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the immediate thought is a clever politician, a really clever one would say, this is a great opportunity uh, Call me if you've got any problems. I'm your guy. I'm in charge. This is my department. I'm responsible. I take account. I'm prepared to be accountable for whatever I do. And that's how I roll. And, but so he's, sending, he's sending a very ironic message that, um, that he doesn't want to be a public servant. Um, he's not to be contacted. He's, you know, don't come and trouble me with my job. Uh, it's, it's, you know, I don't know whose business it is if it's not the public's business. So I agree. I agree completely with Sarah. I think if you a public uh, in a public position like that, and it's you, you, in, you know, in charge of a portfolio that clearly has major problems, 
Um, I think it's quite ironic that he says the DA council should be focusing on service delivery. It sounds as though he's the one who should be focusing on service delivery. Um, and this is not, this is not such an obvious way to um, to do it. You know, be available, uh, demonstrate responsiveness to the public. This is exactly what Asara says. We're beyond resilience. Um, we are now looking for politicians who can stand up and say, "Yeah, call me if you've got a problem. Call me. That's my job." I'll fix it. I'll do my best to fix it. And I'll phone you back and tell you what I've done. That's, uh, yeah. That's Indeed. It. And I, you know, exactly as Sarah says, you know, I, I, it shouldn't be that an MMC should have to be called by anyone actually um, yeah. for a problem, I mean, uh, unless yeah. it's like a massive, massive problem, like the, sinkhole. you know, the whole the sinkhole has, has sucked up the entire bus depot in the in this Joburg CBD, something like that. That that you should call the MMC for transport yeah. or, or finance or whatever. But uh, when the system doesn't work, it is the responsibility of the politicians to do what they can, especially when they're in the executive. And um, I, I, I think I've just realised what Kenny is upset about. He's tired of people phoning to ask for an Uber Eats delivery of sushi. <laughs> <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. Um, and with that, I think we're going to call it to a close now. Um, I hope you all have a wonderful weekend, and we will see you all next week with a daily French show. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>